My dear brothers and sisters, we came together to wait upon the Lord, to be cleansed and edified by His Spirit, and to know in our hearts the spirit of true worship. We have not been disappointed. The Lord has been with us by the power of His Spirit, and it has been good for us to be here. I hope we will go forth now, believing the doctrines that have been preached, taking the counsels of the brethren, and basking in the same spirit that has been uplifting and has edified while we've been here. Let us conclude in a tone of testimony and in the spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving to him whose we are, who has given us all that we have and in whose work we are engaged. Our beloved brother Paul, after claiming that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, then said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Then he taught and testified that even as Christ is risen from the dead, so will all men come forth from the grave. Each will then be judged according to his works, and each will receive his appointed place in the mansions which are prepared. In that resurrected state, Paul said, there are celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial and bodies celestial, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the terrestrial another, and the celestial still another. Now this system of revealed religion, which has come to us by revelation, is a very practical religion. It deals with flocks and herds and properties, it teaches us how to go, get along with each other here and now. It is a way of life that turns it dreary and, and uh, a drab mortal existence into a glorious and exhilarating experience. But it is much more than this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the eternal plan of salvation. It is the plan devised and announced by God the Eternal Father for the salvation of all who will believe and obey. We are eternal beings. We have no way of comprehending how long we dwelt in the presence of God as his spirit children. We are here in mortality for a moment of testing and trial. Then we will come forth in the resurrection, receiving an inheritance in whatever kingdom we deserve, and do it in living all the commandments to eternity. This life consists of a brief yesterday, 
a few short hours of today and a few moments tomorrow, the oldest men, according, scarcely lived longer than a hundred years. But the life that is to be is forever. It will have no end. Men will rise from the grave and not die after. Life is eternal, unending. Never after the resurrection will the children of our Father taste death. We have a hope in Christ here and now. He died for our sins. Because of him and his gospel, our sins are washed away in the waters of baptism. Sin and iniquity are burned out of our souls as though by fire, and we become clean, have clear consciences, and gain that peace which passeth understanding. By living the laws of the gospel, we gain temporal prosperity and maintain health of body and strength of mind. The gospel blesses us today. But today is just a grain of sand in the Sahara of eternity. We have also a hope in Christ for the eternity that lies ahead. Otherwise, as Paul said, we would be all men most miserable. How great would be our sorrow, and justly so, if there were no resurrection. How miserable we would be if there were no hope of a life eternal. If our hope of salvation and eternal re reward should fade away, we would certainly be most miserable and those who never had such an expectancy. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now the effects of the resurrection shall pass upon all men. For as in Adam all die, even so shall all be made alive. Now as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now provision has been made whereby the corruptible shall put on incorruption and the mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Then shall they stand before the bar of the great Jehovah to be judged according to the, de the deeds done in the flesh. Those who have lived after the manner of the world shall go to a celestial kingdom whose glory is as the stars. Those who have been decent and upright and who have lived respectable and good lives will go to a terrestrial kingdom whose glory is as the moon. Those who have believed in Christ, who have forsaken the world, who have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide and been willing to lay their all on the altar, those who have kept 
the commandments of God, they shall go to a celestial kingdom known and whose glory is as the sun. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Paul asks, there is no victory in the grave, for death is replaced with life. Immortality is a free gift for all men through the atoning ransom paid by the Son of God. But Paul says the sting of death is sin, meaning that if men die in their sins, they will suffer the prescribed penalty and gain a lesser glory in the realms ahead. But thanks be to God, the, said the angel and ancient apostle, which gives to us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are true and faithful, we shall rise not alone in immortality, but unto eternal life. Immortality. Immortality is to live forever in an assigned kingdom. Eternal life is to gain exaltation in the highest heaven and live in the family unit. And so Paul exhibit, he says to the saints, Therefore, my brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong. We have an eternal hope in Christ. We know this life is given us to prepare for eternity, and that same sociability Socialty which exists among us here will exist among us there. Only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now possess. We believe, and it is our testimony, and we proclaim it to the world, that there shall be no other name given under the sun and any other way by which salvation can come unto the children of men, only in and through the name of the Lord Omnipotent. We know, and it is our testimony, and we also proclaim it to the world, that to be saved men must believe that salvation was and is and is to come in and through the atoning blood of Christ, the Lord God Omnipotent. Thus, with Nephi, the labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by the grace that we are saved after we have done all we can. And we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. 
Also with Nephi, we know the course all men must pursue to gain an eternal hope. The right way, he said, is to believe in Christ and deny him not. And Christ is the Holy One of Israel. Wherefore, ye must bow down before him and worship him with all your might, mind, and strength, and your whole soul. And if ye do this, ye shall be nowise be cast out. We glory with Paul in these words spoken by our beloved Lord. In him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins who is the image of the invisible God and firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things here created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That is all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And again with Paul he said, we say, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and all things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now relive with me this beautiful testimony of Peter. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, oh, Some say that thou art John, some the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and are one of the prophets. He saith then unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
to the testimonies of these mighty men and apostles of old, our brethren in the ministry of the same master, I add my own testimony. I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that he was crucified for the sins of the world. He is my friend, my Savior, my Lord, my God. With all my heart, I pray that the saints may keep his commandments, have his spirit, and gain an eternal inheritance with him in the celestial glory. My beloved brethren and sisters, as we come to the final moments of these glorious two days together, my heart goes out to you in love and gratitude. Everywhere I go, here is a great outpouring of love and kindness, and for that I am humbly thankful. It's manna to my soul. Your prayers and your love sustain me. The Lord hears your prayers and blesses me and my brethren with health and strength and directs us in the affairs of his kingdom here on the earth. For this, all of us are deeply grateful. In return, I extend to you my love and grateful thanks as you return to your homes, your wards, and your stakes, your missions, and to your individual homes around the world, I pray our Heavenly Father to bless you and your families and let the messages and spirit of this conference radiate and find expression in all that you do henceforth in your homes, in your work, in your meetings, and in all your comings and goings. Let us be better Latter-day Saints now than we have ever been before. I pray the Lord to bless you as his servant. I, I bless you and leave you a fond farewell. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, amen. My brothers and sisters, this morning I would like to share with you a presentation which dramatically illustrates what can happen when church leaders and members begin to apply the basic principles of welfare services in their lives. This is a factual account of the accomplishments of a small branch of the church in the village of Baramahillo in near Torreon, Mexico. <clears throat> Come with me to, to Baramahillo a typical village in north-central Mexico with dusty streets and adobe buildings. Eight years ago, a small branch of the church was established here. Church meetings have been held in one room of this rented building, which members call the prayer house. A majority of the men in the branch work in the fields on land assigned to them by the government. Their crops consist mainly of cotton, corn, and beans. Their harvest is sent through a small co-op bank, which is in return pays them approximately three to five dollars a day, hardly enough to take care of only basic needs. 
The strength of this small branch rests in the Costaneda family. The mother, her six sons, and one daughter accepted baptism when the gospel was first brought to Bermejillo eight years ago. Since that time, the boys have married and brought their wives into the Church. The family is currently making plans to be sealed in the Arizona Temple. Julian Costaneda has served as branch president for the past five years and has given direction to the temporal and spiritual affairs of this branch. Since 1975, Welfare Services missionaries have been visiting Baramahio on a weekly basis. They teach discussions to the leaders and members on such subjects as personal hygiene and nutrition and serve as a resource to the branch president in Welfare Services-related matters. In the years following the Welfare Services missionaries' arrival, President Castaneda has met frequently with his Welfare Services Committee. Several projects have been undertaken to help members in the area of personal and family preparedness. A couple serving as Welfare Services missionaries were asked to assist members in planting family gardens. Seeds were obtained by President Castaneda through community resources and distributed to the members. He took the lead by planting the first garden. Almost all of the members followed his example. It was soon found that in order to raise a garden, provisions had to be made to keep the pigs from running loose. Pens also had to be constructed for the chickens. It seemed that they were able to scratch out the seeds and young plants faster than they could grow. In addition to the garden, storage also became a part of the program. Members were taught how to dry fruits and vegetables, and canning was done on a small scale. Jams and jellies were made using, using appropriate local methods. Part of their year's supply included grains grown in their fields and then stored. They had to learn how to keep them from being infested by insects and rats. Wood, which was brought in from the mountains and stored, was later used as fuel for cooking as well as heating water to wash dishes and clean the house. As cleanliness and sanitation were emphasized, the members began building bathrooms adjacent to their homes. Prior to the project, members in Baramahillo had no bathrooms. In this small building, the first flush toilet in Baramahillo was installed, with a septic tank dug in the courtyard to contain the waste. A shower was also built. It consisted of a 50-gallon drum on the roof which was filled with water in the morning, warmed by the sun during the day, and was ready for a warm shower in the evening. Gardens and bathrooms became a reality. Dirty, neglected homes with dirt floors and no beds where, where cooking was done inside on open fires of twigs and sticks with no stovepipe or chimney now have cement floors, cooking stoves with proper ventilation, or an outside cooking house clean tables and chairs and orderly rooms. Five years ago, most of the buildings in Baramahill looked about the same. But now homes of Latter-day Saints have become the showplace of the village. They are easily identified by the fresh paint, green trees, and beautiful flowers. Members in Baramahill had access to water, which was piped from a nearby city, but which was unsafe to drink. Boiling the water was too difficult because of the scarcity of fuel. So mothers were taught to purify it by putting three drops of chlorine bleach in each quart of water. Purifying the water has reduced illness due to diarrhea, amoeba, and typhoid fever. 
Welfare Services missionaries were assigned by the branch president to visit the home of every newly baptized family. In carrying out this assignment, the missionaries often found emergencies teaching situations. For example, one day upon entering the home of a newly baptized member, they were greeted by the mother who invited them to sit down and then began to cry. Her baby was sick. Its stomach was badly bloated. Upon investigation, it was found that the child had never had anything to eat except flour and water or powdered milk. For eight months, the mother had been afraid to give the baby any other food because it was so sick, and it was sick because it was starving. The missionaries taught the mother how to include cereals, fruits, and vegetables in the child's diet. Now the child is on the road to normal health. As a result of, of projects such as this, uh, as this one in Baramahil, the death rate among member children in the whole mission has dropped from approximately 40 per 100 to 10 per 100. Other personal and family preparedness projects were also carried out, including one plan to help an inactive family clean up their home, which President Kimball has asked all of us to do. This eight-member family lived in a little 10-by-12 one-room home with a dirt floor, two double beds, a small table, and a small kerosene stove. There was neither electricity nor running water. The Branch Welfare Services Committee organized to solve the problem. The Relief Society sisters carried many buckets of water to the house. They helped the family take the furniture outside in the sun and re remove the accumulations of years. Home teachers and other priesthood brethren assisted in the repairing of the furniture. The Welfare Services missionaries participated by giving lessons on cleanliness and personal hygiene. Another way the missionaries were of assistance to the branch was through presentation of special lessons such as well baby care to the Relief Society sisters. They have taught principles and techniques in family health care. The sisters have now learned to make their own clothing and to use sound judgment in shopping. These activities have increased the sisters' love for Relief Society, and now for the first time regular visiting teaching has become a reality. The children have also benefited from the personal and family preparedness projects in Baramahil. The mothers now make sure that they are well-groomed before sending them to primary. Older children are developing teaching skills as they help younger children learn the lessons of the gospel. The missionaries have found that just by being an example to the children, they teach them important principles. Children have learned of President Kimball's counsel about saving money for their missions. They also now spend any of their extra pesos on fruit rather than buy candy. Non-members have been influenced by the example of members in Baramahil, and a number have been taught the gospel. As the branch grew, the rented facilities became too small for them. So President Castaneda obtained permission for the use of this plot of land upon which to build a, uh, a chapel. Other branches in the mission had met with extreme difficulty in obtaining such permission. But the village officials in Baramahio were aware of the accomplishments of the branch and were pleased at the prospect of having a chapel built here. A small temporary adobe chapel has been erected on the property and is now serving while the saints raise their share of the funds for their new meeting place, which they have been authorized to build. 
Much of their portion of the money is being earned through branch projects. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the Relief Society sisters divide into small groups to make donuts and tamales. They then sell them in the parks and or door-to-door. One of the sisters reported how difficult it was to sell door-to-door, but she said, We want our chapel, and we are willing to do whatever it takes to earn enough money. To date, they have met all their commitments, and the construction of the chapel on this side is scheduled to begin before the end of this year. What we have just reviewed is a marvelous example of what can take place in any Church unit, regardless of circumstances, when the leaders and members begin to understand fully and live the basic principles of welfare services. In four short years, look what these saints have accomplished. They have begun to raise gardens and store their produce, paint their homes, plant trees and flowers, build toilet and shower units, clean and fix up the interior and exterior of their homes, purify their water, and properly prepare their food, and provide more nutritious diets for their children. Beyond this, the members have extended the hand of fellowship by helping inactive families solve their temporal problems, by friendshipping non-members, and by setting a good example of Latter-day Saint living. The spirituality of this branch has been enhanced through increased member activity, better preparation by class instructors, more effective and visiting te- home and visiting teachers, additional converts to the Church, branch projects, and personal sacrifice. It is interesting to know that there has been more than a tenfold increase in the per capita fast offering donations from this small branch over the past four years. The principles of love, service, work, self-reliance, consecration, and stewardship are all evident in the accomplishments of the branch in Baramahill. Indeed, these members are well on their way to establishing the ideal of Zion. I am persuaded that any ward or stake in the Church can experience this same kind of success as the branch in Baramahill. It will come as a result of organizing welfare services committees and from teaching and living the basic principles of welfare services. Many wards and stakes have their own resource people to call on, but where local resource people are not available, welfare services missionaries may be called through proper channels to assist Church units in emerging areas where temporal problems are critical. May each of us catch the vision of welfare services as these saints have in Baramahill. By working together, we can fully establish the Latter-day Zion. That we may do this, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Council of the Twelve, the President the presiding bishopric and the General Relief Society presidency will continue wheat reserves management in the same fine manner in which it has been operated in the Relief Society in the past. We will see that the Relief Society gift is used as has been intended for the time of need to bless the lives of Church members everywhere the worldwide. We are proud of the accomplishments of the women in the past and the present. 
Now we ask you, sisters, to continue in your good works and to support the programs of the Church, particularly those of your own organizations, the Relief Society. We ask you also to support the Brethren, and we ask them to support you and to work together as partners and companions in furthering the work of the Lord and your own salvation. Let this gift from the Relief Society today be an example of the cooperative effort and harmony that can enrich our lives in the Church and in the home. May the Lord bless us in this great and divinely inspired welfare work. I humbly pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Robert Browning's joyful line, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world, is more easily expressed when our body is functioning at its optimum, a blessing we all earnestly desire. The state of our health affects every facet of our life. Our feelings of personal well-being, our approach to work, our social interactions, even our service to the Lord. Physical ills are a reality of life, but in spite of them, the Lord has declared, men are that they might have joy. He has affirmed this statement by providing us with revealed instructions concerning our health, which, if followed, will increase both the length of our life and our joy in it. Among the most familiar of the health scriptures is the 89th section of the Doctrine and Covenants wherein the Lord specifies both substances that are for our use and those which are detrimental to us. Scientific research has verified the harmful effects of tea, coffee, tobacco, and alcohol even upon the development of an unborn child. We have been warned both by our prophets and by science of the dangers and the improper use and indiscriminate use of drugs, including over-the-counter drugs. Helpful as these remedies are in times of illness, some contain ingredients that, if used to excess or in combination with other substances, can have dangerous side effects, even dependency or addiction. A large portion of the Word of Wisdom is devoted specifically to the wholesome foods that are ordained for the use of man. Relief Society many classes can teach women how to prepare and serve wholesome food in appealing ways. A friend of mine once told me that after she had served a dinner featuring vegetables, a young guest said, I thought I didn't like spinach, but that cream spinach was delicious. Like many of us, my friend took seriously President Kimball's counsel to garden. Now she grows her own vegetables. She prepares and serves them with great culinary skill. Guests leave her table with increased appreciation for good, healthful foods. The Lord promises that if we keep these commandments, we shall run and not be weary and walk and not faint. The Lord might be making us aware of another law of health, the need of proper exercise, Exercise such as walking and running 
and other forms of rhythmic action are important in maintaining cardiovascular fitness. In our busy lives, sometimes we are prone to excuse ourselves for not getting proper exercise by saying that we have neither the time nor the opportunity. I know a busy young woman who exercises while listening to self-improvement tapes or memorizing scriptures. Almost anyone can do that. We are also counseled to retire early that we may not be weary and arise early that our bodies and minds may be invigorated. In that same passage, we are reminded to cease to be unclean. This should be applied to our bodies, to our homes, and to our neighborhoods. For example, we should have clean hands and clean surfaces where foods are prepared and served. In the 59th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord states that the foods of the earth are to be used with judgment, not to excess. Health experts say that obesity constitutes a major health problem. Being overweight increases the risk of disease and creates physical dis discomfort as well as psychological burdens. We should be grateful that scientific research and medical practice have resulted in longer lifespans, greater health and vitality, and reduction in deaths among babies and small children. One of the touching parts of our past history is the great longing mothers and fathers felt for something to help their sick children get well. Today, immunization against disease is a great blessing. Some of the most hazardous diseases are now almost totally under control because of immunization. Home nursing courses, first aid, and other home health skills are taught in Relief Society. In this day of high medical costs, it would also be helpful if women are taught the value of good medical health insurance. This is essential for both physical health and financial management. In summary, our physical health goals should be to obey the word of wisdom, to maintain proper weight and endurance through regular exercise, adequate rest, and a balanced diet, to improve or maintain personal and home sanitation, to practice preventative measures to preserve good health, to learn and practice home health skills. May the application of these principles help each of us to live joyously. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I am so thankful to be involved in the great church welfare program of the Church. And I'd like to testify from the depth of my soul that this great movement was revealed by Almighty God to his Latter-day Prophets. And we've come a long way since the early days of welfare, but we have an enormous distance yet to travel. With the great expansion of the missionary work throughout the earth, the ministry to temporal needs will likewise expand. To meet this magnificent challenge successfully, we must be wise and faithful stewards. Modern scripture reminds us that all things belong to the Lord. 
He declared, I, the Lord, stretched out the heavens, built the earth my very handiwork, and all things therein are mine. All these properties, and if the properties are mine, then ye are my stewards. The lessons of stewardship are vividly taught in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. To be profitable servants, we must improve that which the Lord has entrusted us. Stewards are managers, and sound management reduces waste and ensures an appropriate return on invested resources. How happy were the servants who could report to their Lord that they had done all that was expected of them, and were told, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. I believe there are three elements which characterize successful stewardship—agency, diligence, and accountability. We are free to accept or reject the invitation to serve, but once we accept, we assume full responsibility for the results. In Section 4 of the Doctrine and Covenants, we read, O ye who embark in the service of the Lord, as I see this as the invitation, See that you serve him with all of your heart, might, mind, and strength. And then in section 72, it is required of the Lord at the hand of every steward to render an account of his stewardship, both in time and in eternity. While we ultimately are accountable to the Lord, we are also accountable to his mortal priesthood administrators. Now let us focus more specifically on how we may fulfill our stewardship responsibilities within the storehouse resource system. First is the planning process. Planning makes it possible to control and maximize our resources. Lack of proper planning results in frustration. Most of us have learned that trial and error management is wasteful and discouraging, so that eventually each area or zone will be self-sustaining. We are selectively introducing master planning throughout the Church. Welfare master planning is the process of identifying needs and programming resources to meet those needs. When the master plan is fully implemented, our bishops will be able to assist the needy and uh, more adequately under changing economic uh, conditions. Second, a good steward operates efficiently. Two years ago, President Kimball said, Let us become more efficient in our production operations so that we don't merely go through the motions of having welfare farms. The time will come when we will need all the pro products and more from our projects, even more than we do now. Do what you can to make our projects economically viable so that we don't rationalize that the welfare project is good simply for the priesthood to work side by side. We can have the brotherhood of labor and the economic efficiency, too." End quote. Addressing a welfare uh, conference in 1960, President J. Reuben Clark counseled, It is my humble judgment today that it would be better for us never to have acquired a welfare project than to fail to take care of it now that we, now that we have it. The Lord will not hold us blameless, those of us who lead in the wards and the stakes, if we take of the funds of the people, those sacred trust funds, and purchase projects and then do not utilize those projects as the Lord would have us." End quote. 
It is a sobering responsibility to administer the sacred uh, funds at Church headquarters. When we receive an application for a loan or Church participation, we review financial statements and projections very carefully. We critically assess the organizational structure, the management, the local priesthood involvement with each project. The application forms tells us much about the quality of the, of the stewards operating the project. Third, let us improve our quality control. Good quality is never an accident. It is always the result of high intention and sincere effort. We commend you who are following the prescribed standards and procedures to ensure that our storehouse commodities are pure and nutritional. President Kimball put quality control in perspective recently at the groundbreaking of a new cannery. He said, We should be pleased to serve a meal of our products to the Lord were it our privilege to have him visit any one of our storehouses. End quote. The phrase, good enough for welfare, must take on new meaning. Nothing less than our very best is acceptable uh, to the Lord. The Deseret label should stand for highest quality because behind that, level, or that label are the labors of love. Whether in services or produce goods, by management or volunteer workers, Quality control applies to every aspect of welfare services. The quality of commodities received into the storehouse is the final measurement of our production efficiency. Fourth, closely associated with quality control is safety. I'm glad to say that our safety record is improving, but there are still many accidents, too many accidents, occurring in some of our units. The cost in human terms is tragic. In dollars and labor losses and fire losses, it totals several hundred thousand dollars each year. We would like to remind you that the Church is primarily self-insuring. This means that when carelessness results in replaceable loss, we are forced to draw upon the sacred funds of the Church to restore that which, is, which has been damaged or lost. A handbook has been prepared to outline the safety procedures for all that is done in the storehouse resource system. Will you study its contents carefully and apply them consistently? Remember, most accidents are preventable. Fifth, a good steward will follow preventive maintenance. He will see that every building is well constructed, annually inspected, and that all equipment is regularly inspected and serviced. He will extend the life of every capital asset through wise management. I have a sign in my office which reads, Why is there always enough time to do things over, but never enough time to do it right? Preventive maintenance allows us to do it right the first time. Sixth, a wise steward maintains good accounting records and follows sound financial practices. We are upgrading our accounting data system to provide you and us with better information. We appreciate your patience and assistance in implementing this new system, and as you know, sound judgment depends upon effective data. We thank you who are faithfully and accurately submitting your reports as requested. With general Church participation in acquiring capital assets, it is incumbent that you manage prudently. 
We exhort you to seek participation only for equipment and other capital assets that are justifiably needed for successful, for successful production. The Lord's trust in these matters should never be violated. The business reputation of the Church must be held impeccable. All accounts payable should be remitted as agreed. You know, very often nonprofit organizations expect discounts on their purchases and then their dilatory in payment. Let it not so be let it not be so with us. This also applies to your promissory notes with the Church and your production commitments. These are sacred obligations and should be honored accordingly. Now, brothers and sisters, so much remains to be done. Maybe the, may we follow the counsel and example of our leader, President Kimball. At the, conference, well, at the October Welfare Conference last year, he said, May I urge you to go forward in this great work? So much depends upon our willingness to make up our minds collectively and individually that present levels of performance are not acceptable either to ourselves or to the Lord." End quote. To all who diligently labor, the Lord gives this promise. And whoso is found faithful, just, and a wise steward shall enter into the joy of his Lord and shall inherit eternal life. My brothers and sisters, the Lord loves you for your devotion and untiring efforts. May he bless you as you continue to meet the great challenges before us today and tomorrow. I humbly pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.